programs and welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So it has been an epic week and uh, we were supposed to have a, a guest tonight and we were going to do a top five list, but the guest had to back out at the last minute and reschedule for not next week, but the week after. So we <laughs> rushed together. I wasn't planning on doing the review for this game <laughs> uh, until a couple of weeks from now, but uh, I had to do a little rush job this weekend uh, and review it as much of it as I play as much of it as I could. So I, I got as much of it in as I could. I feel like I can give a good enough review of the game tonight. So yeah. Oh, and that's always the drawback of booking a guest is that sometimes last minute things can pop up and you know it's just out of your control but as they have said in the business for many many years the show must go on so oh, of course yeah but we we've got some good stuff to talk about we got some good news articles uh some good gaming history and whatnot so yes we do Ooh, you're, we'll, have, you're, we'll have a fun show you ready to jump into the news for this evening sure all right let's jump into it This is so freaking awesome. This is from our favorite site, NintendoLife.com. This is a gallery of wooden creations of classic video games, and they are stunning. Um, let's see. A lot of readers would sooner go over for a boxed copy of a game rather than download it from the eShop, although digital gaming is on the rise. There's something special about displaying a game you love proudly on your shelf. Well, thanks to user Pigmented over on Etsy, you can now get wooden recreations of your favorite video game boxes to keep and look at and love forever. And, um, yeah, you have to go look at this article for all the pictures that they have here. First off, at the very top, there is a Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild NES cartridge, which it doesn't even exist on the NES, but they made a wooden cartridge for it uh there's a wind waker cartridge for the gamecube uh there's super mario land for the game boy i mean they even have the very first issue of nintendo power recreated uh in a wooden block and they are absolutely freaking gorgeous so my wedding is next week if somebody <laughs> wants to to get me one of these as a gift but no in all seriousness these are are fantastic you know i i I would love to have all of them. Yeah. Uh, but the, the ones that I'm immediately drawn to, the original Nintendo Power, I mean, it doesn't get much more iconic than that. You know, that's a true piece of Nintendo history. But at the bottom of the article, they have a picture of the, the fighter menu from Smash Brothers Melee. The detail in it is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and these... it, it looks like you're wa- looking at the menu. Oh, yeah. And these aren't aren't on the cheap side either. I mean, they're going to run you roughly anywhere from 80 to $150 for, for any of these. And I'll be honest, it's completely worth it. I'm going to get one of these at some point. I don't know when, but I'm going to get one for myself. I mean, I have to get a Super Mario Brothers 3. I mean, I, I'm sure there is one. I'm looking at the Etsy page right now, and there's dozens of pages here of of different wood blocks. You may have said this, but can you send a picture of what game you want and they create it for you? 
Uh, let me see. Um, custom orders cartridges. Uh, let's see. You can do custom wooden GameCube. Yeah, I think you can. Um, they have custom wooden NES cartridges, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy DS, Nintendo 64. <clears throat> so I guess just let them know. Pick which one you want. And then let them know what game you want to see on the actual cart. And they'll make it for you. I think I have to do a link to the past one. Oh, I would have to. <laughs> that, Super Mario Brothers 3, Metroid, yep. uh, Castlevania, <laughs> original yeah, Super I, Mario Brothers. We would both be broke. Yeah, after, yeah after pretty this. much. <laughs> now, this, this article is absolutely worth going to look at just for the pictures alone. It's it's just absolutely unbelievable. I'm just saying, my birthday's coming up in May, so yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants to buy me one of these? Yeah, exactly. Our next story comes to us from RetroDodo.com. Final Vendetta is a retro-themed arcade fighter launching May of 2022. Get working on those pull-ups. Final Vendetta is about to smash its way onto your TV screen, and it'll give no mercy i wonder if it's got a cobra kai connection by saying that yeah uh if you've ever wondered what streets of rage would look like if it came out in 2022 then look no further actually scrap that it, this is the illegitimate love child <laughs> of streets of rage double dragon and final fight as i mentioned it comes out in may of 2022 and it is going to be available. It's going to get a physical release on the Nintendo Switch, PS4, and PS5. And it'll also be available via digital download on Steam, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo. You know I love me a good side-scrolling beat-em-up. And as soon as they said Double Dragon and Final Fight, I'm in. I feel like, you know, you use this comparison with movies a lot. You know, you have the filmmakers who grew up watching like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and, mm -hmm. you know, hit movies of the 80s and early 90s. And now they're making movies that you can see are clearly inspired by those. I feel like now we're seeing gaming developers who grew up playing games like Double Dragon, Mortal Kombat, because I. I feel like almost every week we're hearing about a new side-scrolling beat-em-up that's coming out. Yeah, I, it's such a cool genre to to do like a retro-style game. I mean, if you're if you're gonna do a retro-style game, I mean the the side-scrolling beat-em-up is you know that it was there were so many of them back in the day, and it's just so synonymous with that era of gaming. The side-scrolling beat-em-up, you know, there were hundreds of them at the time so if you're gonna do a good retro style you know game yeah you, you look at the you go back and look at final fight of course streets of rage double dragon then you have uh you know other games like river city rampage and things like that you know oh man that genre it just has a special place in my heart yeah and a little bit about the story of the game it says here picture the scene it's London and a notorious gang called Cynic 8 have kidnapped someone. That someone happens to be our protagonist, Claire Sparks' sister. Claire, along with retired wrestler Miller T. Williams and bare-knuckle fighter Duke Sancho, <laughs> must save her sister, battling Cynic 8's goons and taking down gang bosses along the way. That's the perfect storyline oh, for yeah. a game like this. That's, like, that's all, all you need. That's, <laughs> that's <it>. Exactly. <laughs> it has so to be they, a retired wrestler. You have yep. to have you know, your, your street fighter. And then, of course, Claire is probably like the, uh, you know, she's probably the, the martial arts expert, you know. 
Yep. So that this will be fun to check out. Like, I, I'm very curious about it. And uh, I did want to, before I forget, I did want to say that ton- all of tonight's stories were submitted to us by, uh, of course, Armez Jackson, I Am The Rampage, Donner Party of Five, and if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this next story, which one is it? I have 800 tabs open here. Uh, here we go. From Windows Central. Com. There's an exclusive. Microsoft is moving ahead with an Xbox Game Pass family plan. What you need to know. Xbox Game Pass is Microsoft's Netflix-like uh, game subscription, of course. Um, let's see. The, uh, the way it isn't like Netflix is the lack of a family plan, allowing you to attach additional accounts to one subscription. It's all about to change as they can confirm for plans that Xbox Game Pass family plans are moving ahead. Uh, See, so all you can eat Netflix style game subscription service, giving you access to all the stuff. Uh, let's see, when is it coming? Uh, this is not very. Uh, it says here. This is a long. Uh, we're not exactly <laughs> sure when when all of this will be announced, but it does seem as though Microsoft is readying up to make this public in the relatively near future. So it doesn't give. A definite release date but i i feel like sony and microsoft now are just trying to one-up each other with these plans because yeah. like last week we talked about playstation now we're talking about xbox but i mean that's kind of the the war that they're at you know we've said in the past nintendo is just kind of doing their own thing they're not really worried about sony and microsoft it's those two mm-hmm. that are really competing with each other here's what i was looking for right here uh let's see from our information, paying on a higher tier for an Xbox Game Pass family plan will net access for five players for games across the entire library and will be far cheaper than than paying for the five separate accounts as it is necessary today. Us- utilizing Microsoft's family account system already in use for Office 365, players within the same country will be able to play together using a single XGP subscription managed by a central account holder in much the same way as similar services. So, I mean, that makes sense. I can't believe they haven't done this before now. Yeah, same. Yeah, this would be something I... I don't know. Like, I'm in a different situation than some people are. Like, I think the family plan is a good idea, and we've seen other businesses adopt, you know, like restaurants do family meals. So why not have... You know, Microsoft or even Sony do a family plan. You know, and if you have a friend or something that you say, hey, let's go in on a family plan and pay half and half. And even if you live across the country from one another, you'll still be able to have access to the same account. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I like it. It'll probably be a while before I get back into the Xbox ecosystem, uh, unless I eventually just get an Xbox Series S or a you know, a PC, mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, same. Our last story comes to us from NintendoEverything.com. Super Kiwi 64 revealed for the Switch. Uh, see, the Seatro is back with another project inspired by the N64 era as a developer today unveiled Super Kiwi 64 due out later this year on the Switch. The title is a 3D platformer complete with a graphical look inspired by the 90s. Much like some classics from the N64, there will be lots to collect. The game has players control Kiwi, who is capable of jumping, gliding, using a corkscrew attack, and sticking to walls in order to jump up almost every wall. 
players are freely able to go through levels in any order, and it's not necessary to finish every stage in order to reach the ending. So you can see just from the the screen cap alone that it it has very much the same look as like a Banjo Kazooie or a Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. So it looks like it fits right in with that era. I, I was telling Jason before we got on the air. I, I'm definitely going to get this because it seems like a game that would be right up my alley. So you, you'll get a Super Kiwi 64 review in, in the near future. Yeah, this uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of this era of open world gaming, so I'll leave this one up to you. It's It doesn't age well or it hasn't aged well, but at the same time, I also have a soft spot for it because this was like, this and the SNES were my like prime years of gaming when I was young. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a sucker for it. So I I, it. I'm I'm very intrigued by it. I mean, it looks fun. Don't get me wrong. It, but it just does. It just uh, I hate that polygonal, like nothing's rendered. <laughs> Everything yeah. just kind of looks like it's cut out of cardboard. You know. That's why I would really love if one day Rare just drops a remastered version of like a banjo kazooie with much better graphics i know they they did one for the 360 where the the polygonal look it was kind of smoothed out but you could tell it was still from that n64 era if they did like a full remaster uh, that would be great (laughs) they did it with with conquer for the xbox where the graphics looked a lot smoother yeah but i just i don't want to play new games in this graphical style i just i don't like it i don't like it at all well i will i will take that hit for the show (laughs) i mean i know people are gonna yell at me because you know everybody loves the nintendo 64 but those games were ugly and i'm not talking about just the nintendo 64 i mean the play original playstation like that four or five years of gaming where we were moving into the the 3D worlds is just, it's not pretty at all. Like, give me, give me, uh, pixel art any day. Well, and I think back then it was all we had and we didn't know anybody. We were just like, oh, games are in 3D now. This is <laughs> it awesome. It looks like, so real. <laughs> yeah. And then you go back now and you're like, what Ugh. the hell was I thinking? <laughs> this looks so like I, somebody vomited on the screen. While I do have a soft spot for this era, I do. I don't disagree with you in saying that it, it doesn't hold up well yeah. graphic wise, but, but we'll see how it is. Whatever floats your boat. If, if you, you know, if you want to play this, it, that's all you, my friend. Yeah. But uh, coming up next, we're going to head into this month in video game history. <laughs> On April 19th of 1982, Namco released Dig Dug, manufactured by Atari in North America. I still like Dig Dug. If I see a Dig Dug machine, it makes me happy. And it's also a part of just about every arcade compilation on every console that's ever been made. But who hasn't played Dig Dug, whether it's in the arcade, on a, a traditional console? Everyone knows the premise of Dig Dug. I think everybody's at least tried playing it. And it's not my favorite arcade game, but I do respect it in its standing. You know, it is one of the more influential and more known arcade games of all time. Yeah, if you're going to play Dig Dug, stick to the arcade or like any, any, one of the arcade classics. 
uh, games or something like that, don't go to the home releases like the Atari or the Intellivision versions. Those were not good. We should review some Intellivision games at some point. (sighs) I've thought about it, but I don't know if I can do it. I just don't know if I can do it. Do it for the people. What would we do, though? I mean, those games oh, I have are so... No 90% of those games happen in your head and not on the screen because you get these games with, like, awesome box art that just, you know, like, big metal flies and everything, and then you look on the game, and it's like a dot on the screen moving around. Yeah, well, uh, I'll have to look at the Intellivision library and see what they have. So maybe Intellivision month is not in our future. But I think we should do another theme month at some point. Yeah, we should, but I don't know if I want to do Atari stuff. No, we we (laughs) won't do. We won't do Atari or Intellivision. April 21st of 1989, Nintendo releases Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, introducing Princess Daisy to the Mario series. One of my more recent proud moments of gaming. So I I played Super Mario Land pretty regularly when I was younger, when the Game Boy first came out. But I can never beat this game. So it was... I downloaded it on the 3DS and I was able to beat it. And at first I was so happy about it, but then I realized this game isn't that long. And I was actually close to beating it back when I was a kid. So I was like... I probably could have done this if I had just tried a little bit harder and stuck with it. But still, Super Mario Land is fun. Like the game, the graphics are very primitive when you look at Mario Land 2, which came out a few years later. But it was early, early Game Boy days. So they were still trying to figure out what they could do. But Super Mario Land is still pretty fun. Yeah, I've never played it, but I did hear that it was a, it was a really short campaign for that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. But it's it's not terrible. I mean, it, it it's, it's a Mario game, so yeah, you, you know what you can get from those. In April of 1992, Paperboy 2 is released for the NES and Game Boy. I played the original Paperboy. I still love Paperboy for the arcade. The, the NES game, uh, version is still really fun. I've never played Paperboy 2. I haven't either, and I see it in the retro gaming stores here in town pretty much every time I go in there. Yeah. So it's not that difficult to find. And part of me wants to play, but then I'm like, ah, do I really want to shill out the money for it? And eh, no. Yeah. I, I would. I'm wondering why they haven't done an arcade one-up Paperboy machine. That's a good question. Because that's a very specific, uh, you know, arcade game. Well, if in a month from now we hear that there's going to be an arcade one-up paperboy machine, you can we'll we'll send our addresses where you can send, send our, our royalty send checks. Our checks, yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Nine, uh, April 1996, Indiana Jones and his desktop adventure, something that I want to review for this show, is released for Windows and Mac. It's an adventure game developed by LucasArts and the popular Indiana Jones franchise, specifically to run on run in Windows. I do want to go back and play this game and review it. I uh, might have to do that in the next couple of months if I can find it somewhere because I've heard that this is a really fun game. And you know me, I love me some good point-and-click stuff, especially LucasArts. Well, I feel like we rarely ever review a computer game. 
especially ones like this. I know you've you've done a couple, but uh-huh. I, I don't think I have at all. So yeah, this would be fun to hear about. It might be something we need to go back and do because, uh, like you said, I've done a few computer games that were from back in the '90s, like we did Seventh Guest and uh, Day of the Tentacle, things like that. But I would really love to go back and play some of these uh, point-and-click LucasArts games, like the the Monkey Island games and the uh, uh, Grim Fandango, all the games that I hear so much about but never played. Yeah, I'll have to do more research because I'm not nearly as familiar with with those types of games, but mm. I think it'd be great. Let's see. Uh, April 4th of 2000, Star Wars Episode One Racer is released for the Sega Dreamcast. And it was, it was, it came out for Windows and the N64 earlier than that. I so had it, it for was N64. Yeah, I did too. It was a fun game. Like I, I remember, you know, the, the pod racing was obviously a big, hit with everyone when the phantom menace came out so the fact that this game was made was you know it was kind of a no-brainer yeah it's a pretty fun game and you can still get it i think for the ps4 maybe able to play mm-hmm. it on the ps5 too but uh you can go you can get that game i think they just did a uh yeah they just did a remaster a remaster of it not too long ago i think you can get it for pretty much everywhere yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it came out for the Switch and PS4 in June of 2020, mm-hmm. and then the Xbox One in October of 2020. Yeah, even if you so, don't get the remaster, the original is still pretty good to play. Yeah. Uh, and last one here, we got April 8th, 2001. Dr. Mario 64 is released for the Nintendo 64. Much as I love Dr. Mario, I have never played the Nintendo 64 version of it. I was going to ask you that because I know you're a big fan of Dr. Mario. I've never played the N64 version. It's kind of crazy that this game came out near the end of the N64's lifespan. Like, I felt like this would have been, you know, one of those games that came out within the first year mm-hmm. of N64 being out. I still can't believe that they they haven't made any new Dr. Mario games. Like, this, especially with mobile gaming now, like, this is the perfect game to put like on a mobile platform dr mario 99 yeah why not i would play that i I would too i love the 99 games take my money nintendo like it's sitting right there just give me what i want exactly (laughs) before we go into our review tonight of course Derek has some shout outs Yep, as always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro we want to shout out tyler watson Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. Rampage, Rampage. Steph Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland, and Mr. Brandon Rutledge. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. We do want to give a little, I feel like this is our monthly PSA. (laughs) For patrons, always check at the first of the month because sometimes you're card will get declined i know i have to check the shows mm-hmm. that i'm subscribed to every month because my bank likes to do that for some reason so just always make sure you check around the first of the month yeah, so you don't lose out of, on that bonus content yeah, we got a, a bunch of declines this month and i'm like uh it's that time again thanks patreon yeah i'm i don't know why that's still happening but i truly think it's more of a bank issue than patreon probably so Definitely, you know, just remind yourself first of the month to to check that out. Um, 
yeah, if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, we've done several commentary tracks in the past, like you know, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, we've done full-length movies like Clue, Christmas Vacation, Super Mario Brothers. A lot of fun, fun content we've got going on over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. I believe we have a poll up for our next commentary track. We're leaving it. This is very dangerous. We're leaving it up to them. <laughs> for what we're going to commentate next. Well, it's not a poll. It's just uh, I put up a post oh, yeah. on the Patreon. Um, I'm, we're looking for... We want the patrons to pick what we're going to commentate on next month. So if you got an idea, something you've been wanting us to do, make your voice heard over on our Patreon and tell us what you want us to, to commentate on. Absolutely. And if you want to be a part of that, just head over to <coughs> patreon.com slash retro. And for new patrons... Be sure to send us your social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or your email, uh, so we can give you a proper shout-out. And no, we're not going to watch Final Fantasy Spirits Within. It's not going <laughs> to Yeah, Yeah, I, I brought that up because we, we know that's coming. Uh, we'll do it, but we won't like it. <laughs> if we do, I'm drinking before we do it. Hey, guys, we got to tell you about B-Res Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. They can even add flavors to your coffee like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Coup Slayer Mocha Roast or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeecode.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. Tonight, I'll be talking about... Adventures is a 1994 platform video game released for the SNES. It is an adaptation of the th all three Indiana Jones games, because we don't count that fourth movie. No, we don't. It's no. about the first three, the good ones. Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, uh, Temple of Doom, and The Last Crusade. It was developed by Factor 5, who... What else did they do? Um, they did... Let's see here. Uh, they did stuff for me. Oh, man, they made a lot of games, but I'm not going to list. Uh, just, okay, they've done all the Turrican games, uh, Mega Bomberman, Contra the Alien Wars, Star Wars Rebel Assault 2, Resident Evil 2. Oh, they've done all kind of stuff. So they're, they've been around the block quite a few times. Um, it was uh, published by JVC Musical Industries, um, and it goes along with... The, it's the same kind of gameplay and uh, sounds and everything because it was published by LucasArts, um, of course, and it, it's very much like the Super Star Wars game, Super Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, very much like those, 
but I will say it's not quite as ludicrously hard as those games are. <laughs> that was going to be my first question because I remember, especially Super Star Wars, because that's the one I've played the most out of those three. It was borderline rage-inducing. <laughs> Those games were. Is not quite as rage-inducing. Inducing the only times I ever got really rage-induced during this game is when I died unfairly. Like if I tried to make like, okay, like the second level. Like you go through the game, and of course you start at the very beginning. You start the very beginning of. Uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you go through that story. Then you go to uh, you know Temple of Doom, and you play all three movies. And there's like, how many levels does it even say? There's like, God, there's like ten or twelve levels in this game, and within each level is like two or three sub levels. Like you have you know beginning stage, middle stage, and then your boss in each level. So there's a ton of content in this game. Um, but like say the the second level. I was, you're, you're in Marion's bar and you're trying to go up, like through stairs, jumping, uh, jumping or going platforms. And of course you have your whip and you're, 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 uh, using the whip to swing across chasms and stuff like that. And there's floors breaking underneath your feet and the place is on fire and it's slowly going up. So you're trying to outrun the fire as you're going up through the building and I would try to make these ridiculously crazy jumps and because I'm like, you know, getting anxiety because the fire is getting higher and higher. And I would just not make the jump. And of course, poor Indy just like falls into the fire and and burns to a crisp. And I'm like, man, I just killed Indiana Jones by burning him to death. And I felt awful. He probably would have preferred that to falling in a pit of snakes. Yeah, well, well I don't know. Burning to death or pit of snakes. Eh, it's a balance. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, something I'm curious about, because I, I'm curious about these with all these adaptations. Are, are there any storyline changes, or does it pretty faithfully follow the it movies? faithfully follows the movies, but it does take liberties here and there. Like, it doesn't quite exactly match the stories. But you it, it you get the cutscenes you know the the important you know nuggets of the movies and stuff like that. Um, but like I said, they have to they've taken a few liberties, but for the most part, it follows everything pretty pretty f closely. Yeah, that it's pretty par for the course as far as most adaptations go. That you know they follow it for the most part, but you might see little little tweaks, but nothing really major. Yeah. And one of my biggest complaints about this game is the 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 pistol. You know, Indy's pistol has that is just like he could blow up a tank with that pistol in the movies. In the game, the pistol is weaker than the whip. How does how does if I whip someone, they they die in like two hits. But if I shoot them with the pistol, it takes like five shots to kill them. Why? Just, just unload a full round on them, and they're still just walking <laughs> towards you like nothing happened. Like that, I never use the pistol in this game. I get it, and I immediately switch back to the whip. Like, why would I do that to myself? Anytime you mention Indiana Jones and pistol, I just think of that scene from Raiders when that <laughs> the guy's just doing all the fancy sword training. Yeah. He just pulls out his gun and... <laughs> Which, by the way, that is a boss in the game. 
Um, oh, that's awesome. And of course, you, you, in the movie, you shoot him once. And the, he's dead. And he shoots him one. In the game, you got to shoot him like 35 times to kill him with that stupid uh, It should have been pistol. once. That yeah. would have been hilarious. <laughs> that would have been the best boss fight ever. Uh, yeah, right? You just... And yeah. he's done. Like, why? Why would you make? <laughs> why would you make Indiana Jones pistol like the weakest thing in the game? Like, even as even if you just punch somebody, you can kill them in like two hits. But you try to shoot them with a gun, and it takes like five or six shots. Why? I mean, I get that his whip is the more iconic weapon because you think of Indiana Jones, you think of the whip. But yeah. logistically, why? I I, I don't know. <laughs> But I, like I said, I, I never played this game before, and I don't know why. I just always thought Indiana Jones had very weak uh, game adaptations before. Um, what was the Xbox? It was the Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb. Did you ever play that for the original Xbox? I did not, but I heard of it. It's very good. Uh, it's made by the same people that made the Buffy games. So it's that base, it's that same game engine, same gameplay gorgeous game like i love that game so much and um but like i said i, I never could because okay I'll, I'll say this the super star wars games were great but they were hard but they were playable and they were enjoyable because they at least followed the movies somewhat but we had such a licensed games had such a bad reputation at this time that it was a gamble on whether or not you were going to get a good game or not. Even though this was made by Lucas or published by Lucasfilm, it was still a toss-up at the time whether or not you were going to get a good game from a licensed game. I still think of more bad licensed games than I do good. Exactly. I know it's it's much better, but even all these years later, I still think, uh, I can name off more bad ones than I can good ones. So I was gonna say for every one for every one good licensed game, like this game is great, but there are twenty five others that are absolute shovelware, just absolute mm -hmm. crap. They didn't care about it. They just wanted the name. They wanted to to put something out to make a quick buck, and nine times out of ten, it was a horrible game. I mean, look at everything LJN put out with their license stuff like Jaws. And some of them were decent. Like, I won't say Friday the 13th is a bad game. I'm just saying they had a lot of good ideas that just weren't translatable to the technology at the time. But you look at games like Karate Kid and Back to the Future. Like, those games are terrible. Which is a shame because the movies are so good. Yeah, and they're not. It's not subjective that they're terrible. They're objectively terrible games. They're just bad. Yeah, I, you're you're absolutely right. But I, I will say with with this game in particular, and I'll, I'll throw the Super Star Wars games in there too. When you put the Lucas Arts name with it, mm -hmm. you know you're probably going to get at least a decent game. So, yeah. like they. They took pride in in good work, and I, I've never played this game, but you know, it, it graphically it looks similar to Super Star Wars. Yeah. The the actual there's a screenshot on the Wikipedia page. The graphics, as well as you know the the score and all the numbers and letters at the top, 
I don't know why, but it reminds me of Mortal Kombat a little bit a as little far bit, as the yeah. look goes. But <laughs> but it, it, you know, it looks good. It looks like a game that would fit right in in that era. Yeah, it's, it's and the it seems like it same, plays well. It's the exact same game engine as the Super Star Wars games. It plays exactly like those games, and that's one of the the shining things about this game is not only does it look good, it plays good, but the controls are smooth as butter. I mean, they're as tight as you would want them to be for a Super Nintendo game and a platformer. Now, that being said, there are a lot of times in this game where uh, there's a lot, some levels in this game where it's basically the only way to get through these levels is to just memorize. Like, take the at the very beginning of the game, you go through the first level, and then for the second level, which is the quote-unquote boss level, <clears throat> is the boulder to get out of the, the cave. Now, when you're running away from the boulder, you can't see what's coming in front of you because you're just hauling ass to get away from the boulder. Now, you're running, and things are coming out of the floor. You know, th- like, stalactites are dropping on you, and you have you have to be able... You cannot make a mistake. You have to know when to jump, where to jump, what's going to come up out of the floor, because if you make one mistake, you're dead. That's it. There's no getting around it, and you can't see what's coming. You just have to inch your way through the level bit by bit till you memorize the entire thing, and then you can get through it in one life. It's not hard to do, but you're going to waste about six or seven lives just to memorize where everything is. And that's a bad thing because you only get three continues. And unless you play it on easy, you only get three lives per, three lives per continue. So you're going to be doing what I did this past weekend and using a lot of cheat codes to see most of the game. Which I will admit, I cheated a lot and used a lot of cheat codes so I could see a lot of this game because... It's it's challenging, but I wanted to see as much of this game as I could get in a short amount of time. And you can do that because the password system is relatively easy. Uh, it's just four Greek symbols and different orders. So you can go and Google, look up the cheat codes, and you can go to any level you want. And I would go to each level on easy and get five lives per continue instead of three. Do you plug in your game, Genie? No, but if I had one, I would have. <laughs> but the- but you, there there is some a lot of truth in what you said, and it, it makes me think of I'll use Super Mario World as an example. You had to do that, and I know this is different because that's the beginning of the game. But you would have to do that a lot with those old platformers is just stock up on lives because, like yeah. in Super Mario World, I'll stock up to like fifty or sixty lives. Because I know I'm going to use a lot of them when I get to the last world, because it's so considerably harder. So that's that's there was much more strategy, I think, mm-hmm. in platforming games like that, especially when you can't see what's coming in front of you. Is that you have to memorize the environment, like you yeah. said. I mean, for the most part, you can get through just the regular platforming levels with you know just random enemies and all that. <clears throat> you can get through that. <coughs> Without really having to memorize stuff. But for the parts with, you know, with like the, the rolling boulder or you go through later in the game and you have first person perspective, not first person, but like third person behind Indy using the mode seven where you're going through the, um, the, the, 
the mine car chase, and then later on in the game, there's uh, you ha- you actually get to p- fly the biplane, you know, on from uh, uh, Last Crusade. So it uses a lot of Mode Seven um, in this game, but you know, a lot of that is uh, really is it's just memorizing the the level so that you can get through it without dying fifty times. You're you're selling me on this game, and I, I vaguely remember it when it came out because I like I knew about Super Star Wars, obviously, but I, I this one always like went right by me. Like I never yeah. really gave it much thought. Well, but... it was late in the life of the Super Nintendo too. This came out uh, October 11th, 1994, uh, and it didn't come out till July 27th, 1995 in the EU. So, you know, this is, we're right on the cusp of the N64 at this point. So you're talking about, you know, the, the, the Super Nintendo is four to five years old at this point, at the end of its life, and you put out these games and they just kind of go unnoticed because somebody like me who had the Super Nintendo, the, you know, the, when it came out, you know, that got it for that Christmas in 1991, and I was 14 years old by 1994, 95, you know, I'm 17, 18 years old about to go graduate high school. I'm not playing super Nintendo any that really that much, if at all anymore, which is unfortunate because I could say the same thing with the N64, you know, there, there are some good games that come out near the end of the lifespan. It's just a shame that everyone's already, you know, like, by the time Conker's Bad Fur Day came out, everybody was focused on the GameCube. They're yeah. like, we're going to save it for the GameCube. We're not really worried about the N64 anymore. But it, it causes some of these games like that to just go unnoticed, which is a shame. I feel like this if this had come out way earlier in the Super Nintendo life, this would have been a, like a huge hit. Because you would have yeah. been closer to the time, because Last Crusade came out in, what, 89? Mm-hmm. If you'd have put this out in you know at ninety one as like maybe a launch title for the Super Nintendo, like this would have done gangbusters. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I was thinking within like ninety one to ninety two. Yeah, because the Indiana Jones name was still very relevant at the time. And I think you know it probably did get helped by uh, at the time there was uh, the Indiana Jones, the the young Indiana Jones adventures that was yep. on TV at the time. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the in the cultural zeitgeist like it was throughout the 80s and early 90s, because Last Crusade was such a great movie, you know, to end on. And honestly, we didn't think we were going to get any more Indiana Jones after that. It was like, well, that three and done. And then they had the young Indiana Jones adventures on TV. It's like and I don't think, you know, I don't think Harrison Ford's ever going to don the hat again. Which I wish he wouldn't have for that crap movie they put out in two thousand eight. But oh well, well, he's getting another shot at it again. Yeah, but like I said, this is a good six. By nineteen ninety four, you know, you're six years removed from the last Indiana Jones movie, and even though this is a Lucas Arts title, I feel like it maybe just kind of got shafted by just being put out at a weird time. Yeah, I I think so too. I, I really want to go back and play this just to get to the third movie because, like, I, I do think Raiders is probably the best Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. But but it, 
Last Crusade to me is the most fun movie just for yeah. the sheer dynamic of Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. As much as I love Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and Temple of Doom, I really do feel like Last Crusade is my favorite of the Indiana Jones movies. Like just as far as just absolute 100% turn your brain off and have fun movie. Yep. And it's, it's damn near perfection. Like just popcorn summer movie perfection. Well, it's one of those when you think of summer blockbusters, one of the first movies I think of is Indiana Jones, yeah. because that's that's the type of movie you want to go see during the summer is just a fun. Like you said, kind of turn your brain off and just enjoy the ride. And there was something in this game that actually made me laugh out loud when I saw it is when you die, you go to the continue screen and it's uh, it's Sean Connery's face. And he's like given this weird look like. Like that, and as and it, and his voiceover goes, I've lost him. And it just the <laughs> look on his face, the 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 picture that they put on the, the continue screen just made me laugh as soon as I saw it. That's great. I'll have to look that up. Sean Connery is somebody that, you know, like, I, I, I enjoy anything he's in. Yeah, I, I, I really wish that he would have come out of retirement and they would have done a good fourth Indiana Jones movie with him returning as Henry Jones Sr. Like, cause their dynamic in that movie is just something to behold. Some of the best on-screen chemistry that I think has ever been done. Makes me want to go watch that right now. Well, I, I've wanted to go back and watch these movies because it's been a long time since I've seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. So yeah. I'd love to go back and just re-watch the the trilogy but i think i might do that this weekend <laughs> rewatch good Indiana idea jones i have i bought them on vhs not too long ago too so i need to go nice. back and do the original watch through on vhs like it's the 80s or something yeah for sure but uh some of the uh, the review scores for it back in the day we had, you had uh nintendo life uh well nintendo life gives it eight out of ten you got uh, IGN gives it an 8 out of 10 in uh, 2008. Um, EGM gave it a 7 out of 10. It's got a good C grade about it. That seems to be the the motif for all the uh, reviews. Like GamePro described it as a decent, though uh, unexceptional, side-scroller. Um, cited the game's faithful recreation of the scenery and the enemies of the films at its strongest point. Um, Electronic Gaming Monthly... Uh, saying the game is extremely challenging, with two of them adding that it suffers from frequent unavoidable hits. That, I will agree with that too. However, they praise the game's graphics, especially the Mode 7 effects, and give it a score of 7 out of 10. Seems to be the thing that everybody liked it, but it didn't really break any new ground. like Because it's just kind of it's kind of cut and paste from the Super Star Wars games. But... I honestly, I you know, I wish I would have played this back in the day because I, I really don't have any nostalgia for it. But being an Indiana Jones fan, I'm kicking myself for not playing this back then because this is such an underrated game. I don't hear anybody talking about this game at all, and it's wonderful. It's it act, it's an absolute must play for anybody with a Super Nintendo. Yeah, you sold me on it. I'm gonna have to check this out. Like, it's not perfect. It's you know, there's a lot of but stuff. But that's okay. That is you know, like you said, it's rage inducing because of 
uh, unavoidable stuff, but that was par for the course back then, man. That was just platformers. <laughs> like, that's just what they did. Yep. But uh, of a number grade, it gets a solid C grade. It gets a 7 out of 10, uh, especially for a side-scrolling Super Nintendo beat-em-ups. Uh, it's it's great. If you like the Super Star Wars games, you'll definitely like this because it's not quite as stupidly hard as those games were. Well, I'm sure even though you don't have the nostalgia for it, being in the Indiana Jones universe yeah. is, is still fun. It was just pleasant, pleasantly surprising because I was expecting a crap, you know, <laughs> like licensed game. But it wasn't like I was expecting like an LJN mess of a game, but it wasn't. It was actually playable. It was nice to look at, had great music and every scene you wanted to have in there was in there. Like all the major scenes in the movies are in there. It follows the movie pretty closely and it's worth playing. It's worth having in the collection, I think. I'll have to see if I can track a copy of this down at a couple of the retro gaming stores we have here in town. Just uh, out of curiosity, I'm going to look up what they go for these days. Let's see. Uh, Let me think of a guess. I'm going to say... $25. You're close. There's Well, there's one here that uh, has four bids so far. It's at $20.50. Uh, buy it now. Uh, it comes with uh, with the manual, fifty seven ninety five. So let's see. There's a lot of here. Uh, just the 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 cartridge itself goes for forty nine fifty. So it's a little. Well, there's one here for ten fifty, um, but it's not in great shape. <laughs> but so I think you're going to be looking probably fifty to sixty bucks for a a copy of it with without the manuals and things like that. Just the cartridge is probably going to run you about 50, 60 bucks. Okay. Cause probably because this was so late in the life of the super Nintendo, they probably didn't make a ton of these. Yeah, I think you're right. I do know that I've seen these at the, the, uh, the local retro store. So I'm going to have to go and, and price it and see what they, what they have for them these days. I'll keep an eye out for it. Cause I, I do want to go look at some point this weekend to see if I can find you know, one or two of the games that I plan on reviewing over the next month or so. So yeah. I'll definitely keep my eye out for it. I definitely enjoyed it, and um, I'm. it's definitely going to get added to the roster. I may stream it at some point. I have seen some, uh, looked up some videos the other day to see how long a speed run of this thing is, and most of the YouTube speed runs are over an hour. So there's it's a, it's a meaty game. So if you're just going to uh, casually play it, I imagine it's a couple of hours long. Yeah, definitely. But that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And uh, I wanted to remind everybody, we are not going to be here next week for an episode. So me and Derek are going to uh, record something this weekend to release next week. And uh, But next week, I did put it in the Discord. Um, I, w- I might just stream next Wednesday night. So if you have something you want me to stream or if you want to do uh, 80s commercials, um, we could do that. I just uh, want to stream for an hour or two and you guys come hang out with me. So let me know what you want me to do. As far as what we're going to record, there is a certain movie coming out this this weekend that we we got to talk about. I can't wait till 
April was it twentieth? Yeah. When we'll be back. I can't wait till then to talk about it. So Yeah. And that's when our guest will be back. Um yep. on the twentieth. Yep. But uh that brings us to the end of the episode. Anything you want to throw out there before before we leave this evening? Uh next week I'm going to uh, unveil the new logo and graphics package that I made for the feature presentation podcast and then the week after is when uh, I've already put the trailer together of when the show is going to come back. So stay awesome. tuned to social media for that. It's at Feature Prez Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fantastic. And go uh, go check out the Open Micers podcast. We released like three or four episodes this last week because of, uh, because of our Patreon uh, obligations. And uh, so we've got plenty of content over there at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. And that's going to do it for this week. We're going to play our music. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can find us at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And individually at jfantastic and at Derek underscore diamond. Go check out our merch. We got t-shirts, mugs, bags, magnets, stickers, all kind of stuff over at ncrmerch.com and of course our Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro where as little as a dollar a month keeps the lights on here and if you keep us above that $50 level we will keep doing the extra episodes every month and if you can't do that please leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free so Derek please tell them what it's all about no time for love Dr. Jones <laughs> are going to die. Oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show.